College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action, so here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 years or older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. This is KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Appreciate you for tuning in to us here at KC Sports Network. We are just more than a week away from the start of the NFL season with that opening matchup between the Chiefs and Lions from Arrowhead. And we are just less than a day away uh, as the time we record this show from NFL roster cuts coming down. Every NFL team has to trim 37 players off their roster within the next 24 hours. So much going on across the league, and we've got some fun stuff here at KCSN that we're announcing this week as well. But we've got a great show for you today as I'm joined by one of the most recognizable NFL personalities in NFL media, the star of the Up and Adams show. You probably already follow her on social media at Hey K Adams, Miss K Adams. Thank you so much for joining us here today to talk a little bit about your media journey. I'm excited about this. BJ, this is a long time coming. Hopefully we get to talk some Chiefs too. I was in Chicago over the weekend with my family who's big Chiefs fans and they're already circling the games, literally saying Thanksgiving in Vegas, Chiefs Raiders, Sunday night little Thanksgiving, we're already picking out the games. And I will just have you know that I had Chris Carter, Hall of Famer on my show this morning. I asked him for his prediction for the season and he said, I really think we're going to run back last year's Super Bowl. I think it's going to be Eagles and I think it's going to be Chiefs. So there, that's the perfect way to kick off our interview. I love it. I love to hear about it. And I love uh, getting a chance to talk with you because we're going to do a little bit, it's going to be a little bit different with this show for anyone who out there is listening. And I obviously want to get your thoughts on the Chiefs and, and the NFL season in general, but I really want to talk to you about your just kind of your journey in sports media. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Uh, I just, it's so different now and things are changing so quickly, obviously uh, with you and your path. And again, uh, there, I doubt there's an NFL football fan out there who doesn't know who you are or isn't supportive or have watched you, whether it was on Good Morning Football or what's what you're doing now with uh, with Up and Adams over there on FanDuel TV. But um, I just want to talk to you about kind of your journey, what you've learned, um, you know, how different it is from when you started to what you've got going on now. And so my first question, just was this always in the plan for you, you know, going back to even like high school, college, like what was it that you wanted to do? How did you end up where you are? It wasn't in the plan for me. And and the fact that I have my own show was like hilarious. And I never would have wanted it. I never want the responsibility of it, the accountability of it. But here it is. Uh, and it just goes to show you, you know, you don't know what your path uh, might look like or the turns that it might take. Um, and and I'm still very much on that path. I do not know what the future holds. I'm really trying to live in the moment and enjoy things. Like I've heard from so many players in the eight training camps I went to. All of them said, I want to be where my feet are. I'm focused on being where my feet are. And that was advice that I took from them. 
uh, going through all these training camps, didn't get to make it to KC, but I was I was so riveted by that and said, yes, like that is the way. Those are sports psychologists talking. Those are coaches. Those are professionals. Uh, religious faith things, talking to those players, and I sort of took it from there. It wasn't a goal for me. I went to Mizzou, um, and I wanted to be, you know, on an e-Oscar red carpet. Like, I wanted to be asking George Clooney questions. And I had that opportunity. I worked for People Magazine for a couple of years uh, while I lived in New York. Sports always just pushed me, compelled me. I worked at Willie's Pub and Pool in Columbia, Missouri, and uh, all sorts of shifts, all different hours. I worked at um, at Prisma Radio Group, uh, KTGR out there in Como, talking about both the Chiefs and the the, the woeful Rams under Jeff Fisher. So uh, the you know the Owen Sixteens of my lifetime. So it was a, a lot of fun. Mizzou was pretty fun back then. You know, you had your Jeremy Macklin moments, um, your Chase Daniel moments, and what a media star he's turned into. He's doing a bunch of cool stuff that I don't even think is announced yet, but we're very happy for a friend of the show, Chase Daniel. Um, but it, it sort of found me. I could always talk about it. I always got really excited. And I thought that the storylines for the NFL were more compelling than anything else that was going on. It's the biggest soap opera in sports. And to be a part of it and to get to know some of these players and teams uh, has been amazing. Good Morning Football was, of course, my big opportunity on NFL Network, a huge responsibility to be in charge of three hours of programming every morning that spoke for the National Football League, that spoke for the teams, the owners. Um, and the fans alike. Uh, and I loved that. And getting to make the relationships I did sort of made the transition to doing my own thing with FanDuel easier because they basically said, we're a tech company. We're number one in the sportsbook industry. We want content. Go. And then you're like, well, shoot, what am I doing for an hour? What do I want? Guests. I want information. I want entertainment credibility. All the things that I'm known for and grateful for and to bring them to a new audience. Uh, it's challenging, but this Mediascape is so fun because you can choose your own adventure every day. Yeah, I I like what you said about be where your feet are. Um, I told myself that at the Chiefs a lot. I had two young kids at the time, and no matter where I was, I felt guilty. And I told this to people probably not on camera a lot, um, but I've told this a lot when people have asked me about my time at the Chiefs that, you know, when I was at work, I felt guilty for not being at home. And then when I was at home, I felt guilty for not being at work because everyone I worked with at that time was younger. A lot of them didn't have kids. And so I felt like I needed to be with my teammates. Like I grew up yeah. like playing sports my entire life. I've been on really successful teams, played baseball in college. And the whole thing was be accountable to the people that you work with every day, be there for them when they need you. And I needed to be there for both sets of people. And one is obviously much more important than the other, but it doesn't make the guilt any less real that I would feel. And I was like, man, I need to be grinding with these people. Like they need me to, there's a bottleneck of work that isn't getting done because I can't go do this right now. And so I absolutely love that advice. I think that's a great advice for anybody in sports media because the hours, the time, it's all different than anyone else, especially with social media now and creating content for social media. You can really get wrapped up in it and just have it almost like affect your entire life and creating that kind of uh, delineation between your work and your life and who you are as a person and who you are as a personality. That's why I'm interested in talking about this with you because you've gotten to this level where everyone recognizes you and everyone's like, thinks it's easy to get to that point. Once you're there, you just show up and and you talk, but it took so much work for you to be in that position. What are some of the, looking back on some of the big breaks that you got, who were some of the people that, that gave you an opportunity maybe before you even felt like you had deserved it, that looking back, you realize were pretty much some of the huge moments that propelled you to be in the position you're in right now? Yeah, I think uh, if I look back at Sirius XM Radio, they sort of put me on the national level. I was living in St. Louis working for the Cardinals. Sorry. 
Not much good to talk about the Royals, though. So let's leave those alone right now. But yeah. we, I worked for the Cardinals. I worked for the Rams and had like little gigs there. And I got the door shut in my face all the time. I was constantly just wanting to, you know, can you edit? Sure. No, I couldn't. I, I lied. I like did anything I could to just get the gig, get the job, get in front of somebody who could help me. So I had a couple, you know, Kyle Elfrank was a guy I worked with at ESPN at KTGR in Columbia who then got a job on Sirius XM and he was a regular at my bar at Willie's and he'd come in and, and I was at Nick's pub in St. Louis bartending there to pay for school. And he, um, he was like, we well, should come on. You should, you know, people, it's people like that. It's people who have no insecurity, confident, fine to watch you grow. It's hard, you know, it's hard. And, and the higher you get up, the more people don't want those minutes cut into, you know? So it's, it's a really beautiful thing that I don't think I gave enough credit back then of, well, come on, like, okay, midnight to 6 a.m. in the, in the middle of Missouri, like, you're getting your coffee, like, come give, give me your take on the Rams. Tell me what you think about Jared Goff. Like, those sort of things were were hugely meaningful to me and gave me the at-bats that I needed to sort of take the journey that I that I felt confident taking when it was ready for me. Um, I would say um, Michael Davies is the person who, when I was at NBC Sports, decided this is the man who, you guys might know him as the showrunner for Jeopardy currently, but this is who uh, somebody who in 2016 said to me, hey, I'm going to convince the NFL, the NFL to give me the reign of their morning show, and I'd like you to host it. And I said, ha ha, good luck. This is a British person who's never watched an NFL game. I was his only source of NFL knowledge. He's a soccer fiend who doesn't couldn't tell you Aaron Rodgers was, but he somehow got NFL media to sort of give him this opportunity to produce the show. And we we built it. And he is somebody that I owe a lot of that. He saw something in me that that gave me confidence. Um, and I owe him I owe him a, 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 a ton of gratitude. And Mark Quinzel over at NFL Media, who is incredible and just sort of gave me a chance. And I had to convince him in in his office, like, you've never heard of me. But you can trust me in three hours of your, your morning coverage. And it somehow worked out. And there's plenty of people. I mean, it's not you can't, you know, name name just the big people who make the decisions, all the people um, from the segment producers on. I'd say, you know, if I were to get an award thing ever, my my one of my first people I would name is Matthew Hamilton. As you know, he's the the, the polisher, the architect of my 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 work. Like he's an incredible partner. I wouldn't trade anything for him. Just as great of a human as he is. I know he does lots of work with you guys. He's such a huge yeah. fan of yours as well. Um, don't try to steal him from me, from me no. because you and I will have a huge fight. But he's the Love best. So we're, right. Yeah. Once you work with great people, you want to keep working with great people. So, and, and that's the thing about this industry. It is very small. Yes, that I think that's the beauty of of what we've done or what we've tried to do too is is bring in good people. And it's amazing how much easier things go when you started we're very small and we're still very small but we add great people it just makes things so much easier you put them in a position to be able to do things that they love to do give them the tools to do it and then just sit back and let them kind of flourish and, and matt's a great example even the small stuff uh, that he does with us with the the film breakdowns he did with matt castle last year and was excited to do it again this year uh we'll have more information on that coming out soon but uh just phenomenal yeah phenomenally great people i need to talk to matt before we announce anything on the show make sure i'm not saying the wrong thing but um, no, it's, I think the people who help you along the way, I think the ones that I kind of think about from my career, like CJ LeBoy, uh, like the agent, he's been at a few different places that get bought out. Um, 
you know, he took the advice of Matt Miller back in the day. This is when I was at Bleacher Report. I was at Aeroid Pride for a few years and I went to Bleacher Report because Matt Miller had vouched for me uh, and I didn't know Matt very well at the time. Now he's a good friend of mine, but he had vouched for me to CJ LeBoy and that CJ had a client of his at the time that needed his story told. And I was more of a long form storyteller writer than I was analyst, media, podcast, video person. And Matt had told CJ, let this BJ guy, like he just started with this a bleach report. This is what he loves to do. Let him tell this story. So I told a story on Rob Haran as a receiver, grew up in LA and then went to the university of Wyoming, was a fourth round pick by the bucks, had an unbelievable story to get to be even in a position to play college football uh, of where he kind of, what he went. It was one of the, my favorite things that I've ever written. Uh, it was one of the realest interviews that I ever had. Um, and I, I want to get to that in a second with you and uh, get your thoughts on interviews you've had in the past. But I will never forget sitting in a hotel room at the River Riverview Renaissance Hotel. It was the team hotel for the Senior Bowl uh, down in Mobile. I was interviewing uh, Rob Haran with his agent and um, you know his manager that were there. And I wrote this story, did really well. The family loved it. It, it went over well for Bleach Report. It was a good story. A year later, I'm interviewing with the Chiefs and the Vice President of Business Operations at the time. His name was Bill Chapin. He set that story down in front of me. I did not send it to him. He set it down in front of me. He said, can you write stuff like this for us? This is what we need. And I was like, oh my God. And like in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, like this is exactly what I want to do. Like, yeah. yes, I grew up a Chiefs fan. I want to tell stories. I want to be that conduit between the players and the fans and uh, the coaching staff and tell all those stories. And changed my life and cj in that moment didn't realize what he was doing he's like yeah i trust matt matt trust this guy we'll get it done and the ripple effect of what that did for me meant everything and i did a lot of that stuff when i was at the chiefs so i'll always feel and cj probably gets sick of me because it was like 15 years ago i still bring it up all the time i was like i owe you i always owe you now you're paying it forward right like you are yeah, I try to. Like, well this the stress the pressure whatever you want to call it like it still exists because you are, you know, you still, last, last I heard, you still have a family. You still got stuff going yeah. on there and you have this balance, but you're, you're, I'm just curious to ask you, like, what are the qualities that you notice that you want to surround yourself when you're building something so great? It's such a fun time, a competitive time though with like KCSN. I think the most important thing for me with people that we bring in and, and I, hopefully everybody that works with would, would tell you this, cause I get like, I, can get very like if i'm i'm all in i'm no there's no half measures with me if i'm into something i am all in and if i'm not i'm not and if you're one of my people i will do every i'll move heaven and earth to take care of you and to do everything i can but for me it's when you make a mistake like own it admit it then we move on we all are there's no micromanaging going on with what we're doing so there's no expectation that no one's gonna not make a mistake that there's gonna be something that we forget to do whatever it is or miss a show or do this or that it's just being able to kind of like own that and then move on and just like, Hey, what's the problem? Let's fix the problem. Let's move on. And just genuinely good people. I think people that are used to being around and kind of accountable to others and being a teammate, you know, we're all stronger together. You know, that's kind of been like the mantra of what we've done at KCSN is we're a lot stronger rather than a bunch of independent podcasts. You put it under one umbrella and you just create this, again, this atmosphere for people to talk about, write, do videos, create content about things that they are genuinely passionate about. Yeah. And you give them the tools to be good at that to where they only have to focus on the things they enjoy doing and not all the other BS that comes along with uh, doing, starting a business and doing this stuff. That's what I end up doing all of my time. And that's kind of how my job has kind of uh, evolved. But I think it, it sounds cliche, but just genuinely good people um, that 
will support you, that will be there for you. And they'll say like, Hey, I screwed this up, but what do we do to move on? Um, yeah. that's a lot easier than people that try to make excuses or try to not act or try to pretend that they're perfect and they're not going to make mistakes and end up just backfiring and creates a bigger problem down the road when it's not brought up. How much does beer chugging, um, <laughs> ability? That's, that's part of Tucker. That's part of Tucker's contract is he has to chug seltzers and Tucker, go on national you're somewhere over there. You are an absolute icon. He chugged a beer on up and Adams. Um, ahead of the was it the draft? No, it was the Super Bowl parade. It was the Super Bowl parade. You guys went to him live, and he's like, the, the vibes are high, the beers are flowing. We're having a great time down here. I was like, am I watching Dumb and Dumber? Like, what am I watching? Like, what is <laughs> like, happening out here? He was absolutely amazing. But I think it's like it's very family atmosphere, and I think accountability, and like I think like self motivation is like something that I'm sort of, you know, like like not to like age, age us, but like, you know, the younger generation, like relating to that. I think about these quarterbacks and like, you know, um, Matthew Stafford was talking about, or his wife was talking about how to, you know, he has to relate to these younger players and how it's not the easiest thing in the world anymore because it's a different generation. So even going through that when you're, you know, you're, fo- you want, you know, I want to focus on the content and there's so much else to focus on when you sort of are trying to build something. Um, but you mentioned the interviews. I'm trying to think of like the, my, my, I just like What's your the favorite interview they've done. Oh man! Or actually, I, before we get to that, I want to know because this one was. Have you ever been starstruck? Have you ever gone to interview somebody? You're like, oh my god, I'm talking to so and so. No. Really? I have one time. Who? Me one time, and it's it's never the current guys because they're younger than me. Like yeah, around even like Travis Kelsey, and like I saw when he came in, but like became the superstar and Mahomes and these guys. You're not gonna pretend I was around him a lot, but I was in the same building and we crossed right. paths. I never had that because they were younger, and I just never felt that. The first time I was on the sideline, I saw Christian Okoye, that Bill Chapin, the guy I said, interviewed me, saw me. I was about to go like take a picture with him because I was like fanboying completely. It was my first year at the Chiefs. It was like a preseason game. I was like, oh my yeah. God, I've got to go get a picture. I saw Darren Sproles and he'll be actually be on my show this week. I saw Darren. I just, I mean, my password on my cell phone is literally 434343. Like I love, like, you know, I'm, I'm undersized. I'm, you know, he defies all the odds. The whole thing that is loved watching him play. And when I saw him on the field once, I, I lost my mind. So I'd say Darren Strolls, like if I saw him, that that was, it's always those kind of guys. Like Danny Woodhead, I loved for some reason too. So like when I met him, I was like, Danny Woodhead. Um, but as it'd be, no hard, interviews, go it'd be hard to get starstruck on Darren Sproles because we grew up like in the yeah. same town. Like he grew up like we, uh, yeah. this, guy I went to, this guy I went to high school with that on his like Facebook profile and used to have like little comments. It said, I tackled Darren Sproles once. And it was for like years. That was like his claim to fame. You got to say he tackled Darren Sproles, but that Darren Sproles, we called him Tank when he was little. We used to play him in yeah. seven on seven and no one could touch him then. So everybody that ever played against Darren Sproles from the time that he was like okay, I'm interviewing or whatever him. all the way through. See if this story checks out because I'm interviewing him tomorrow. Yeah, so I called him Tank. We played him in okay. seven on seven. We were at K-State. I was on the baseball team when he was on the football team. And I would say we knew each other, but actually had rent. I was living in San Diego at the time. I was at the Fashion Valley Mall in San Diego. I was working at a store called Sports Fever. We were selling jerseys. It was all the Darren Sproles jerseys. And I saw him and he walked by and I was wearing a K-State shirt. And he said, hey, Wildcat, you can ask. I don't know if I remember this moment, but I went over and talked to him. He's like, I know you. I was like, yeah, we played sports against each other growing up. And two guys I worked with walked by me and he's so short that they didn't think anything up. They're diehard Chargers fans at the time. And I was just talking to them in the middle of the mall. They walked by. I go back to the office and they were like, who are you talking to? I was like, that was Darren Sproles. You should have come and said hi. They were like, what are you talking about? I was like, that was Darren Sproles. You could have just came and said something. I was wearing a K-State shirt. I, I, feel like like, I know you. 
Everyone has a weird Darren Sproul story. It's true. It's that's super fun. Yeah, I don't I don't get starstruck by like, you know, when you see somebody like Tom Brady, he just sort of like looks like he's fake. Like he looks like he's out of a magazine. So you kind of like they're pretty slow about it. There's certain people like that where you're like, um, I'd say he's the one who's like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is he Patrick Mahomes is too wonderful to make you feel any kind of way. It's over before it starts. You wanna be like <gasps> But then he's just so great. Travis is the same way. Like I think all those all those guys on the on the Chiefs are like that. I like interviews that are you know hard, you know it's it's easy for me to plan an interview and execute it. So when you have like someone like Gronk, and Gronk who will by the way be on my show every Wednesday, all Wednesday, like I'll have a nice like crazy fun time in the middle of my week every week for the season. He like you can't prepare for it. You'll ask him something yeah. next, you know, you're talking about like a crazy night he had in Caracas or like, so you're like, you have no idea where it's going to go. So you sort of have to be really on guard and he's tough to manage in a beautiful way. So I enjoy yeah. those interviews. And I just think anytime I can get like a side of somebody that, that isn't seen very often, like and I, uh, or, you know, I would say my favorite's Aaron Rodgers. It sounds like a, t- you know, the, the low hanging fruit answer, but he always is, he's fascinating to watch interviews who it's fascinating to like see you know you'll ask him something but he answers with what he wants the public to know kind of so it's it gets a little it's just it's it's he's fascinating and wonderful and super generous and giving with his time so like I'm I'm always uh I will watch that's the only interview if I interview Aaron Rodgers I will watch that back many times because there's always little nuggets in everything that he says it's nice People ask me that all the time. Like, do you go back and watch? Like, even when I did more, like, do you go back and watch yourself? I never would do it. I would never listen. I would never watch. I was around great people that I would try to ask, like Anna Topkin, who we were talking about earlier at the Chiefs, that she kind of like shout did everything. Anna. Shout out Anna. Like, I, you talked about it before. Like, you're surrounded by so many good people that kind of make you look better than you. Or at least that's how I felt. Like, we, I was right. a part of the 65 TBT, and like, we won awards and won Emmys, and. Besides one where I felt like I had a bigger part in this, like I felt like I helped with this, the rest of them, it was like, it was just people making me look good. Like I just kind of spat out something about the Chiefs and Anna was one of them. But um, but yeah, I having those kind of interviews, when you mentioned not knowing what they're going to say, Chris Jones was always like that. Like you always knew it was going to be fun. You really never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. Frank Clark was kind of the same way. And that's why I enjoyed talking with those guys and that I didn't enjoy the interviews after a while where I felt like I knew exactly what they were going to say as soon as the question came out of my mouth. I mean, I, I don't like think Chris Jones is in a was, though, is he? I have no idea. We don't know, right? I don't know. Chris Jones, Chris Jones, I, I was, when I was, I, when I did the preseason after you did, I came in there and we were in San Francisco and I go, hey, I hear you do yoga. We're about to be, have an interview on camera. And he goes, yeah. And I go, if I ask you to do yoga, will you do it? He's, he was so excited. He was like, yeah, absolutely. I want to do it. So we get back on camera and I'm like, all right, here I am going to do yoga with my friend Chris Jones. It's like the yeah, second preseason game. And and he's completely abs- stonewall. Like what now? You want to do this here? And I was like Christopher, Christopher. Everyone thinks it was like me being cute or making. No, he wanted to do the yoga. That's what people understand. Chris Jones was like, "Let's do this, downward dog." And then I had to look like I was begging him. It was it was awful. But he's wonderful, and I hope he's just happy in his future. Yes, I my two cents, and we've talked about other shows. I I think both sides are right in the situation. Uh, and I think that's why we're here. I think Chris probably deserves more money than is being offered. And I'll never blame an organization or any position, remove the player name, remove any of it outside of quarterback. I'll never blame an organization for not wanting to make any player the highest or second highest paid player at his position because you can always make the case that 
the sum of the parts of what you can get as far as draft pick compensation back, the money that you could get back, the sum of the parts of what you do with that money and those picks could be better because everybody's optimistic thinking, I'm going to nail the draft picks that we get and two or three draft picks plus $30 million in free agency money that we could spend somewhere else. The totality of that could be better than this if we're not willing to go above a number that we have set. And that being said, I'll never blame a player for holding out because they don't get a whole lot of leverage. So use it when you have it. Uh, and Chris feels like in his his camp feel like they have leverage now. So I just hope, I've said, I hope he gets paid and I hope it's with the Chiefs in that order. I think the, I want him to get paid. He's earned it and I hope it's in Kansas City. But if not, I hope at the end of it that everybody can feel good about however it ends up. The emotions reside on the player's side. You know, the we, Brett Veach is not, he's not making emotional decisions. He's not thinking, oh man, but we don't win those Super Bowls without him. That's the, that's what fans are thinking. That's what Chris is thinking. Like that was my look at the value. I you know he's thinking, what does this look like for the future? He's thinking of it from a, a, just a total, you could say savage, but like that's what I want in EGM, right? You want somebody yeah. thinking about the money, how to make things work, um, and all of that. But but you know the fan in me is like, you, you got y'all can't run this back without Chris. You can't do that. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. And if, if there's not one that jumps out, that's fine because I'll embarrass myself and bring this up. But did you have like a most embarrassing interview, like just... It's just a bad interaction. We were like, I wish I had that one back. I have two moments in my sports media career. I was like, I wish I could have those back. 
Tell me one of yours and I'll think of one. Uh, one of them, I'll do the Chiefs one first. The other one was before it was at the Chiefs. It was at the Senior Bowl. Um, but the Chiefs one, there was a post-game uh, game that the Chiefs played the Steelers uh, on a primetime game. I want to say it was 2015, 2016. And they got down like 21 nothing, like two minutes into the game. It was a road primetime game. So, you know, you're leaving. You're getting back to Kansas City like 3.30 in the morning. You know, it's already going to be brutal. They get down 21 nothing. like like I said, right into the game. I think it was the game that Alex Smith ended up like lacerating his spleen. He got hurt in the game. Like all everything that could go wrong went wrong in that game. And it was post game presser with Coach Reed, and it was a road primetime game. I'm not writing anything that night that required quotes, so I went into the presser just because that's what I did. I didn't plan on asking anything. I know Coach wants to get out of there, doesn't want a lot of time. I don't yeah. have any questions I need to ask. I just sit in there. I'm gonna injury updates, whatever he's got, and there weren't any other, for whatever reason, there weren't any other media in there. And so I'm just sitting there like not prepared for anything. He's, you know, coach gives his feel and said, you know, time's yours. And I'm sitting there and nobody says anything. And Ted, cause nobody asked a question. Ted just goes, BJ. And I was put on the spot and I had no idea what to say. And so whatever came out of my mouth, like next 20, I just rambled and I was trying to make a coherent statement. And it, I, to this day, couldn't tell you exactly what came out of my mouth and coach That's, being the professional that he is. Scary. The blackout moments where you're like, what did I even say? What did I and say? You know, every, you know, everyone's looking at you and coach is staring at you. And I know he's not in a great mood because they didn't play well. It's late. He wants to get out of there. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. So I don't even remember what came out of my mouth. He answered something like a couple other people must have just felt bad and asked questions. Shortest, probably the shortest post game presser that I remember during my time with the Chiefs. And all I remember was sitting next to Tammy, his <laughs> wife, and Tammy looked at me after the president was done, and she just goes, that was an interesting question. <laughs> I'd, from that moment on, I had a go-to question, no matter what, how bad it was, I knew I always needed to have something ingrained in my brain that I could ask if I ever like got put on the spot. And the question is, what is your message to a team? After, what is your message to the team after a game like that? And so I oh, always had it from then happen. on. Yeah. From then on, I knew if I ever got called, it was like, "What's your message to the team?" Like it just kind of fits for everything. Like, What's your message to the team? Yeah, uh, I have those. I have those big team questions too. I think I have like, "What's the biggest challenge personally for you this next season?" Or "What's the like? What are you working on?" Or you can always sort of default. So you know how it is. you have somebody talking in your ear. You've got Hamilton's like, "Ask about this." Sends like all those <laughs> things happening. I don't think I have one that I that I take take back because I think they all, even the even the duds, just help you. So I don't think I have one that I feel like I'm sure if I really thought about it, um, but I want to hear your, I'm going to leave room for your other story. Cause I liked your first one. What's the other one? <laughs> the other one's not quite as funny. Uh, I was at the senior bowl and I was running around. It was before I'd really interviewed players and it's senior bowl. And like the guys, cool thing about like senior bowl trying, but like all the pre-draft events before you get to the combine is a lot of the players haven't gone through media training. And so they're still pretty open. Oh, like you don't get a lot of the cliches at the, That's at those so draft fun. events and you can actually get some stuff out of them. But uh, I hadn't learned that yet. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was one of those, like, I had interviewed somebody and this player was interviewing somebody and we both turned and then like made eye contact. And it was like, I've got to ask you a question now. Cause I'm standing here. I was holding the mic like this. It was Mike Glennon, uh, the quarterback. And he was getting ready for the draft. And I don't even think I asked quite, I just like made a statement <laughs> and just like held the mic up. He goes, is there a question in there? I was like, uh, no. And then I walked off. You're like, Texas, <laughs> you're very tall. You have a long neck. Talk to me about that. Like, I was like, yeah, that. You heard about Napoleon Dynamite. Like, I didn't know. I had no idea what to ask. I was just like, you're tall. And like, I don't know what to ask you. And I just panicked and like just walked off and never talked to him again. Like, that. I, I didn't know what to ask because he was like, is there a question in there? And I was just like, I think I mumbled something and he gave me like two or three words. And it wasn't even like, what's this opportunity mean to you? Like some basic yeah. things now. 
But back then I was not comfortable. I was so nervous in the environment, which made no sense because I wasn't on camera. Like it was all for transcription anyway, but just being in that environment for the first time, I didn't have a lot of experience. Got my degree in journalism from school, but even when I was in college, I wasn't doing like the extracurricular, like going and working for the local TV station or the school newspaper. Like I was playing baseball. That was all my time in college. And so I didn't have any of that experience. My first big, bigger assignment but also, weirdly, I didn't like it, but it made me want to do the job was I was working for NBC Sports and I really got I mean, I got the door slammed in my face every which way there, every which way. You know, if you're not it's I just it just it was just like that. It, it was a good it was a really challenging, fun thing. And um, I somehow weaseled my way onto going to the Super Bowl with uh, PFT with Florio, his show. And I was going to go every morning to the team availabilities and collect sound. This was Niners Ravens. They were playing in New Orleans, right? And uh, But I had never been to a Super Bowl. I don't know what this even means. Like I, a, a credential. Like I was so, I was so, it was disgusting how green I was. I had no right. I had no right to be there. And I said, you know, my job was to go and like fight for these guys' attention at these tables when they've got guys like, Ever I met there's to talk about Starstruck. I saw Ian Rappaport. I'm not kidding. I saw Ian Rappaport and I was like, I I always do the you look a lot like so and so, and they're like, oh my god, that is so and so. It happened with Schefter, like all those guys. They'd be like, you look a lot like. like oh. And Adam is like the sweetest, and Ian is like star. Everyone's just not wonderful, but you're like Starstruck. But but like I'm not gonna win. I'm not gonna win when it's like uh like Peter King's at the table. Like who's gonna like. I'm not going to, but literally at a certain point, you just say, well, I have to go get, and by the way, the question I had to ask them was all like, what's your favorite Beyonce song? It was all horrifying. Like it was, I'm like, Jacoby Jones, Alex Smith, and I'm elbowing it, but it ends up being like, oh no, I'm not going to go down like this. Like you have to fight. You've got to fight. And so my elbows are up. I'm weaseling. I'm like, you know, like I, it was, it was, and, and these players are so wonderful and they're so, cause they could just be awful. And it's morning, yeah. tired, and it's their eighth day of doing it. And, and that, but that was something, but that was, I was like, oh, cause if you, cause when you get a win, you win. Like you, if you get the sound bite that ends up like going just a little bit, you're like, yes. And it's really addictive. It really is. Yeah. The, there's so many stories. I can talk like, I can <laughs> tell stories like this for so long. Um, but yeah, I, I used to, it's like the maturation of your sports, like sports media career. And this, maybe it's just for me. But when I first got to the Chiefs and I was first interviewing players a lot, and I, that was the first time I was really consistently interviewing players, it was always like, I want to ask the best football-related, like the smartest, the best question that I can to, so they know that I know what's going on. And it's like that. I want them to know that I, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. It's like that game. I used to talk about this with Therese all the time. I was like, I want to ask good football questions. Yeah. And then I started doing some content series at the Chiefs. One was called Up the Hill uh, that when I was working for the Chiefs, and it was something we used during the preseason broadcast. Well, I would ask like the like who are the three teammates you'd want in a zombie apocalypse, and I remember the fr- like just dumb questions like that. And at the time, I was embarrassed because it was like the guys would look at me like, "What are you talking about?" Looking back on it, and even watching some of those videos now, because I still have some of them on my phone, those were the most fun answers because the players didn't feel like they were going to say something wrong about a teammate, or you'd ask a football question, they don't want to say the wrong thing about a teammate or a coach or an opponent, and so you ask these questions like they have to make sure they're not going to say anything that's wrong. But you ask him something non-football related, just goofy, the personalities come out. And so by like the second year that I did it, I was like, you know what? I like these questions. Would you rather fight like four duck-sized rhinos or a rhino-sized duck? Like, yeah. what would you rather do? And then they just kind of look at you funny. 
and then they answer it. But guys like Chris Jones, like absolutely love that stuff. So I mean, look, I don't know if you... look at the NFL now, though. Like if you look at any social media page for any of the 32 teams, like it's all what sing me your favorite Taylor Swift song. Like it's all yeah. about something that I think is beautiful, which is celebratory and opens these players up and lets them be human instead of having to worry about what they're saying because they're going to be held accountable for anything they say to you. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things that I learned the most is understanding and you see it happen where a player says something and whether it's intentional, or unintentional um, by the person who was there or by bloggers or people that just read a quote, they don't hear how it was said. They don't know the context in which it was said. Things get twisted and all of a sudden it's blowing back on the player. And when you're there and then you see how it comes back, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like that's not how that went down. Like that's not what was said here. And I can't, I couldn't be a player today with stuff like that happens just with my personality. Like, no, like that's not what happened. But I've been told several times, like fighting false narratives is not their job. It's not what they need to spend their time doing. But for me, like that part of it always bothered me. And so the the goofy questions that had nothing to do with football ended up being easier and in some ways better because again, humanize the players and you bring out their personality. I think it helps more than anything uh, fans to make that emotional connection. I've always said that with the Chiefs that I felt like my job was to make an emotional connection between the player and like the fan or the coach and the fan to have them feel like they know them a little bit. And then when they're humanized a little bit, maybe they talk a little bit differently about them on social media, or there's just a little more empathy when talking about, you know, players, families, and they get cut. Like there's families there are kids involved with this stuff. Like it's a very real thing that it's easy when you don't know them or you're not around them or talking to them, that it's easy to forget that but when you're there talking to them, you realize how real this is and how it's not just, something you read on Twitter and shout off your opinion. Like there are people reading this on the other side that it, that it matters to. It's so true. There's a time and place for all of it, right? And like you asking those sort of questions does help open up anybody, not even just a player, but it gives them a little bit of a breather, which is really nice. And that person would probably remember you the next time, you know, the first time you did that to Chris Jones, maybe he was like, who's this guy? And the next time he's like, you're the guy who asked the fun question. And it works that way. There's time for all of it. I remember you just reminding me just with your work with the Chiefs, like when I came in there to do preseason games um and they were like oh you're gonna go talk to coach at halftime like you have to go chase after coach and i'm like i'm not what to talk about what like the the deep like what do you guys want me to do you have to weave in between all the players running off and try not to get tackled i I was getting crushed every i mean i was it was like a lion king in the gorge the valley i was mufasa like it was like i was getting everyone was trucking me it was not a good look and but the, by the time I caught up with coach and I was so like, well, what, you know, what information can I get out? Because, you know, like you want you want to do that. And I finally like it's up with him and he goes, took you long enough or like it was something, you know, they <laughs> me. and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, well, coach, like, you ha-, and I'm just like, coach, you have to give me something like I, I have to come on the air with something. And, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, what kind of music? Do you, or he has, you know, a complete would not speak about football to me, like would not. And I didn't have what it took to be like, coach. We got to do this. And he ended up, you know, for the for the one minute that we had to walk together, it was all about me trying to get him to do the Patrick Mahomes impression because he at that point had not done it yet. And then he would he we argued about it for a minute. Then he finally gave it to me before going in the tunnel. And I'm like, I got nothing. I got nothing. So then but that's just like what it is. Like it's everyone has to sort of embrace the authenticity. And I think when we were off camera, it was the best point you were saying, like, you got to just be, you know, be authentic. Try to give the best information. You have insights. You have institutional information like you know you know football and it's just sort of being able to be yourself within that yeah absolutely and in talking with people and not talking at them uh yeah. the, the successful 
podcasters, media people nowadays, it feels like you can sit down and have a conversation with them. You feel like you're just sitting in a room or sitting in a bar with them as part of that conversation. Made that point with, you know, Chiefs content. The Chiefs obviously being really yeah. good. There's a lot of entities that cover the Chiefs. A lot of people do phenomenal work. A lot of us are all friends with each other and that we're all just trying to have a conversation that people can be a part of within the same bar and that there's enough for all of us uh, to have those conversations and for fans to support all the different places that cover Chiefs. But Kate, thank you so much. I've got one last question, one last thing before we go. Um, what advice do you have for people? And I'm sure you get asked this a lot for college kids, high school kids right now that are looking at sports media being like, I want to do that. Uh, what advice do you have for them? Um, and what you know characteristics do you feel like are most important for somebody coming up now to have in order to kind of work their way through what I call the noise because there's so much of it right now? Yeah, gosh, I the media landscape is so different now. You can just do it now. If you're in college, what's stopping you from launching a YouTube page? What's stopping you from launching a TikTok and sharing those takes that were that BJ and I are talking about? The ones where you're not screaming, you're not shouting, you're giving your opinion. You're, you know, I, now I would just, I honestly probably would just do it myself. I would start my own thing if I was back uh, in college figuring it out. Um, I think you know the advice I would give is make sure you know what you're getting into. Before you say, I really want a job in sports media, like it is it is for gamers. It is not for everybody. It is a um, you're working the holidays. It is off hours. It is a lot. It is something that you must love. You must be passionate about it or find something about it that you're really good at that compels you and, and keeps you connected because it can it's it's a lot. It just is. A, it's a grind like any obviously anything any work is. Um, but I do think that there is this notion that it's like so fun. You get to like meet a player, you get to like, and it's, um, I would say like, know what you're, what you're in store for. And I would say as much as you can say yes. And that's hard. People have a lot of adversity. People have to work. People have to make ends meet. It's hard to say yes to a, an unpaid opportunity. It's hard to say yes to an opportunity that might be on Saturdays or whatever, but try to stack things so that you can say yes to as many opportunities as possible because it's truly not what I learned in school. It's the opportunities that I took outside of it in different worlds, country music, radio stations. I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't say yes to a midnight to 6 a.m. shift at a country music radio station that when I was in a break getting coffee, I met the ESPN affiliate guys. Just chew on that. That's that's the good stuff. And I love what you said. I think knowing what you're getting into is also understanding that the fun stuff, the interviewing the players, the being on camera, the doing the fun stuff like this is such a small percentage in the grand scheme of all the work that you do, that if this is what you see and this is what you want to do, you need to kind of learn how the rest of it works and how the rest of it happens because you have to love the process. It's kind of like playing football. Like there are guys in college, and this is one of my favorite things I always used to ask GMs, you know, when they were trying to get ready to draft guys, like how do you differentiate guys who love football or love the fact that they're really good at football in college? And then once you get to the NFL, you have to love the sport. You have to love the process. And it's the same thing with media. Like it's not the practice, but you have to love the process of everything in between the times that you're recording in order to be really, really good at this. Um, you can't just show up and just like the stuff on camera. Uh, it doesn't quite work like that. And eventually it will catch up with you and you'll burn out. And you see that a lot. Um, yeah. Cover the NFL. I would also say just like what, sort of my beginning point of of do it yourself. Like there's something about, you know, my mindset when I was uh, much younger was, well, I'm just going to work super hard and get what, you know, like I'm just going to get what I want. I can control that. I can control how hard I work. 
and you sort of realize like so much of it's not on, not in your control. So much of the decision making, so much of why this happens or why this doesn't happen or why it's okay for this person, why it's not okay for this. All it's so out of your control. It's it's so naive of me to think that I have <laughs> that I had any say really in a lot of what was going on. So I would take those those opportunities that you can put yourself out there. Start the TikTok. Like, you know, there's no shame in doing uh, something yeah. on YouTube that 10 people see because you know, the reps I got, though I got to do that, and a lot of, a lot of them weren't seen, a lot of them were, I got really good by just doing it, by just doing yeah. it over and over. And that, you know, whole 10,000 hour thing like that, it all plays. So I would just say with what's available for you, there's no reason for these, you know, these young, older, whatever people who want to get into it to really try to sort of get there on their own too. Absolutely. Okay, Adams, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. I think I said like 20 You're minutes. Awesome. Here we are 40 minutes in. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, again, that is Kay Adams. You probably are already follow her on Twitter, but at a no, Adams, follow me. Can't follow her if you don't. You should be. Spencer's like to yell at me on Twitter when I talk about anything but them. So just hit me up and I'll talk about well, you. Guys. In fairness, we'll say we'll say this at the end of the show. It's okay for people who cover the NFL to have opinions that other teams in the AFC are really good because there are a lot of really good teams. And that it's okay to say that the Bills are really good and that the Bengals are really good and the Bengals are good enough to win a Super Bowl. The Bills are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Can I give you, I think, I think the Ravens are coming. And the Ravens. I think. We got my favorite player in the draft this year. Okay. I really liked Zay Flowers. We love Zay Flowers. He's healthy. He looks good. Odell's there. Nobody's talking about that. Everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers. And I also think, you know, the Chargers play all tough, play all real tough. And I'm, I'm probably most excited for those two games this year. It's just funny as a Chiefs fan because people pick the Chargers to win the division. I think it's like nine straight years. They've picked the Chargers to win the division. The Chiefs can I say, like can I tell maybe why, why, well, you know, this started because I loved Philip Rivers. So my thing, morning, no. I loved, I just thought, and you guys, what y'all did to him when he retired with those interceptions, you should, I mean, Anna Topkin, whoever it was, like, it was so, so hilarious, but so horrifying too. But also when, you know, when I was on Good Morning Football, Peter was so obsessed with the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. He was ahead of the homes. He knew that was going to happen. So I had to say, well, what about, you know, what? And when you play that role, it's instantly like you're the, you know, you're the anti-Chiefs person. Yeah. But that w- was never the case. But um, but Schrager just called it so early. Like he basically predicted that 50 touchdown season as it was happening when nobody was calling it. And yeah. so it was just, that was his vein and kudos to him because- Peter has a knack for doing that. He planted this Chiefs flag early and kind of said, like, this is my area. We can't turn this into good morning Chiefs football. Like, we got we to gotta have yeah. the other sides of things. And but he did it the Chargers are good. He did it That's okay. He's got, basically, the answer is, watch my show, listen to Peter. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, again, that is Kay Adams from the Up and Adams show on FanDuel TV. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you're following her on social media. Make sure you're being nice. Thank you so much. We will have to have you on again. Yeah, I know you are very busy, so we appreciate your time. We appreciate all of you, Chiefs Kingdom. We'll have plenty more content here at KC Sports Network, breaking down the Chiefs 53-man roster and getting ready for that week one game against the Detroit Lions to open up the season. We will see you all next time. Thanks for hanging out. And Kay, thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. K.
KC Sports Network. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.